Welcome to the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast, where it is never too early for fantasy football. My name is Jeff. And I'm Alex. As always, thank you for downloading, listening, liking, and commenting on our podcast videos. Please join our community by subscribing to us on the socials. Our handle on all platforms is at N2E Fantasy. We are also available on all major podcasting apps by searching N2E Fantasy. Alex, what do we have on today's show? All right, on this episode of the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast, we are covering news from the Week 12 games, including injuries, recapping matchups, and providing insights for fantasy players. And with this week, it was the Thanksgiving week, so we had several holiday matchups, and we can start with the first one on Thursday, and that was the Green Bay Packers at the Detroit Lions. Jeff. What did you think of this matchup? Well, my first thought is we both lost this matchup, which is not a very good thing to start off the week. But I did have a good Thanksgiving. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving, Alex, and I hope our entire community of listeners had a good Thanksgiving. So some takeaways from this game. Love came out slinging the ball, which was completely surprising. I think it's time to start worrying about Jared Goff. He's placed back-to-back stinkers on the field. A lot of turnovers. Um, I know they came back and beat the Bears, but We'll get to the Bears much later. I don't know if that was as big of a feat as we made it out to be. Christian Watson appears to be improving each week. However, Jaden Reed appears to lead in targets for Green Bay. So that's just something really interesting going forward. I do believe that Green Bay has their top three wide receivers going forward, already all lined up with Dobbs, Reed, and Watson. And then you can throw Wicks in there a little bit and then Musgrave in there too. But as I've always mentioned this, because I know you're very hard on love, but he's playing with a bunch of one and two year receiving weapons. And I, I do believe that that does make a big uh, difference. And then the last thing that I took away from this game is Dylan leads the backfield in a, in kind of a lackluster running attack by the Packers. It's kind of an ongoing theme with teams across the league, uh, lackluster on the ground. Um, anything I'm missing from this game? I, I will say that I agree with you that Dylan isn't very spectacular. I think they're missing a healthy Aaron Jones. I think he brings that little extra spark in the ground game for Green Bay. I do think that Green Bay is a team that they're starting to find themselves, and Jordan Love is extending his time with the Packers, so maybe he will end up being the starter next year, and they won't look for another option if he continues to play this well. The Lions, on the other hand, I agree with you that Jared Goff has kind of sputtered a little bit, although he avoided uh, interceptions. He did fumble four times and losing three of them. So that's not something that we want to see with turnovers. However, I think the Lions did put up a fight. They didn't quite pull this one off. Uh, Amon Ross and Brown was clearly the number one there. I don't know if they've solidified their number two yet, but playing from behind, Raymond and Jameson Williams got a couple targets here, and Sam Laporte is still a fixture. I would like to see more Jameer Gibbs. I, I think he's a really good weapon for them. and. I think that they could have definitely used more targets, getting them into space a little bit better, um, that kind of thing. But the Lions defense, I think, the last couple weeks haven't been great, and I expected them to be a little bit better than what they've been. Like, they started off the year beating Kansas City, and they've had some good weeks, but I think that's holding them back as well as Jared Goff. Um, He did get 332 yards and two touchdowns, so that's nothing to the slash about but hopefully the lions can get it straightened out yeah and i mean i know i shared with you the image of rogers and love in their first what is it 11 or 12 games then they have identical stats and they have identical records so there is some hope for love and and the green bay packer fans like i don't think it's all lost at this exact moment um i know you're not a huge fan and i know i've written them off once already here but uh I, i i I was really surprised by his performance in this game. I think that he's had a couple games where he looks good, and he's had other games where he's not looked as great, but he seems like he's figuring it out, and we'll see if that carries over into the to the next week. I only can hope. All right, so we can move on to game number two, which had a little bit better result for us. The Cowboys beat the Washington team. I don't really know what to call them right now because I do anticipate their team name to change in this offseason. Alex, what were some takeaways that you had in this matchup? Well, I think it's interesting, and it seems to have been the case a lot this year that Curtis Samuel led the targets for Washington, and he is the second receiver on uh, the stat sheet for the year for the Commanders. 
He is trailing only Terry McLaurin. And I, I think that he could potentially end up finishing the year for them as the number one wide receiver, which is not something that anyone expected because they have McLaurin and they have Dotson as well. So I would expect, I would hope that the three would even out, but I think Samuel might end up with more targets on the year. So that was interesting, but Washington really couldn't stop the Cowboys at all. And of course, Sam Howell threw a pick six and had zero passing touchdowns this week. They really didn't stand much of a chance. Um, on the flip side here, we have Brandon Cooks, where the Cowboys led the receivers there. It was spread out a little bit more, and it looked like it was the Tony Pollard show. I know Dak Prescott had four touchdowns, but it wasn't any particular guy, and I think that they looked pretty balanced and an easy win. Are you warming up a bit on Dak right now, or what's your thoughts currently? Oh, man. Um, he's definitely been was it top three fantasy quarterback this year? He's had some really good games. I'm not sure that the Cowboys have had that difficult of a schedule to date. I know they played the Eagles, and that's always a tough one. But they've not really played anyone spectacular. It's like the Giants, uh, the Jets. They lost to Arizona, which they should have won that game. They demolished New England. They lost horribly to San Francisco. Barely beat the Chargers. They beat the Rams. They beat Carolina. They uh face washington so i'm not sure that they've had that much of a test to date um we could talk about seattle as their next game we can talk about in the next episode but they have philadelphia and buffalo and miami and detroit all back to back so that will be a true test if he can keep it up for those four games there then i think i'll have to change my tune on him uh, as a nfl quarterback but he's definitely a top fantasy asset so far oh right yeah i completely agree with that and it seems like Ron Rivera did Jack Del Rio a favor by relieving him of his duties after this game, because I don't think Rivera is going to last past this season. So basically, he said, Jack, go home, spend the rest of the year with your family and spend the holidays at home and not through this mess. So it does seem like Ron Rivera was actually helping out a friend there by relieving him of his duties, because I don't believe that increases Ron Rivera's chances of staying past this year. So. Yeah, any All other right. takeaways from this matchup? If you're a CD Lamb owner, are you concerned? He pulled down a touchdown. Wasn't enough to keep me in my guillotine league, but hey, can't win them all. Okay. I'm not that concerned. When he pl- when they play a more even team, he's going to get more targets. But he's always going to draw the number one cornerback. So that does open up some touches for Cooks down the stretch as well. Because it does seem like there's some chemistry there now. Okay. Well, let's move on to the third Thursday game for Thanksgiving, and that was the 49ers at the Seattle Seahawks. And Jeff, we both picked 49ers, and 49ers dominated this game, and it was 31-13, and uh, it didn't look good for Seattle. Jeff, what were your takeaways? I feel vindicated for everything that I've said about Seattle coming back down to earth this year. They are on the cusp of not making the playoffs right now, uh, which I had in my standings. I'm not a playoff team, but on the verge of it. Uh, they were swept by the Rams. I know you say that the Rams shouldn't have won that second game, but they did win that first game. So um, they were swept by the Rams. In this particular matchup, though, um, Metcalf was silenced. When We'll see how that impacts them going forward because Metcalf does not like to be silenced like that. Uh, the Niners got it done on the ground. CMC had two rushing touchdowns, Samuel with one. Brock Purdy only had one passing touchdown. So it's just something to kind of file away and think about later. The Niners came with a game plan here to win this game on the ground, which is interesting because we know coming up this, this Thursday, we have two of the Thursday teams from this week battling next week. So we'll get to it in a later podcast. But could this be a Tony Pollard week? That's just something to keep in the back of our minds for a little bit later. Um, and then JSN made a crazy catch towards the in the fourth quarter. Um, but it was a tough night for the rest of the Seattle Seahawks lineup, including Gino, Charbonnet, uh, Metcalf, Lockett, and even JSN. They didn't really show up too well on the stat sheet. Yeah, it, to me, it looked like they just didn't pass enough because they had 27 passing attempts to... Um, I believe here, 21 rushing attempts. So it was almost 50-50 and nothing was happening on the ground. And I don't think that they passed the ball enough. I know that Gino took, I believe, six sacks in this one, which it's a 49ers defense that added Chase Young before the trade deadline ended. So they're very tough, but he took some brutal sacks in this one, didn't throw any touchdowns, 
um, had an interception, and I, I thought that he could have played a little bit better, but I think that the protection was bad as well, tough defense, and poor play calling. I think all of that led to a little bit of a mini disaster here for Seattle. They're not looking like a serious playoff contender, although I think they still will make the playoffs. But they need to fix something quick. I don't think Gino's the, the only problem with this team. Absolutely. Um, but we both did get this pick right as well with the 49ers. Um, anything else you want to add to this before we hop to the very first Black Friday game? No, I think that's it. We can move on to the divisional matchup, Miami at New York Jets. And that was quite a blowout again. So 34 to 13. Miami looked like they were in control for the entire game. I don't think there was one moment where it looked like the Jets were favored or had a realistic chance of winning. So uh, I don't know what to do if I'm the Jets. They got Tim Boyle as their starter. He doesn't look any better than Wilson did at at the helm. And if they continue to lose games, Aaron Rodgers isn't going to come back early. So I don't think that they have a shot at playoffs. Brees Hall didn't get anything going, and how could he if they're stacking the box? Uh, Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver, is the only one who had a salvageable week for the Jets, and that's mostly because of his touchdown. That's, I mean, that's it for them. But man, I'm really hoping for Miami because I think that Tua has thrown a lot of picks this year, and I, I think he's slowed down since his fast start. I'm not sure if he's a, uh, sorry, a quarterback one anymore, which was a little surprising considering I think he was the number one quarterback over the first three weeks or so. But where he must start. Uh, did great. He had 94 yards on the ground, two touchdowns, and Waddle and Tyreek Hill both looked great on the receiving side. They're really the only wide receivers who did anything for Miami right now, and I'm really looking forward to A-Chan coming back soon. I hope he does to really expand this offense. Jeff, did I miss anything? What did you think of this matchup? No, I think uh, I think you got it right, and I think you got it right with Garrett Wilson. Um, he had a salvageable day, but it does seem like they want to turn him into a target monster. And that really does bode well for his 2024. Also, Aaron Rodgers did say today that he, him coming back depends on his health and the Jets' playoff contention. So that is the two things here. Um, you're right. I think Tua is a borderline QB1 for fantasy going forward. So he's not a must-start like Mostert is. But he's someone that you would consider every week and look at the matchups that you potentially have right now. Quarterback play just hasn't been great this year outside of your standard people. And then you can even add Dak Prescott in there as well right now. CJ Stroud. Uh, yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm riding him right now in my big money league. So <laughs> I just, uh, I just, uh, I completely agree with, with that as well. But Alex, this is this right here. I don't really have much more to add to this game other than Boyle does seem to be worse than Wilson, and I don't understand how that is possible, which actually might say more for the coaching staff than it does for either quarterback uh, and the ability to get them ready to compete. But why aren't they starting uh, Trevor Simeon? It, it just seems like he might be their best chance at a veteran to come in here and kind of patch over until Aaron Rodgers could come back and potentially make the playoffs. I don't know. It, it seems like whoever they put out there, either it's coaching, either it's the offensive line's abysmal, uh, maybe a combination of the two. I, I don't know if Simeon's, honestly, I don't know if he's better, but he's worth a shot at this point because the other two guys certainly aren't it. You are correct, sir. But All we right. can go ahead and hop over to our Sunday slate and the first matchup, which I don't even want to talk about, so I'm going to let you talk about it, the, the Panthers at the Titans. This is a pick where I got correct and you picked my team and you got it incorrect. I'll let you go ahead and uh, go off on this game here for us. I was going to let you talk about it, but since you don't want to, I I will go ahead and talk about it. Uh, It was kind of a dismal game all around. I thought that Carolina was doing some things that were were trying to get the most out of Bryce Young with how terrible that line is and how bad the wide receivers have been, doing some play actions and bootlegs, letting him run, even though I don't think he had any actual designed runs. But it wasn't enough. and he had no time. They had a lot of like three-man rushes, and they just demolished that line. It was ridiculous. I don't think really any quarterback could thrive right now with how Carolina is. And they fired their head coach, Frank Wright, his first year. They've had six different coaches, if you include interim coaches, over the last six years. And that's the same time frame that the, new, that the uh, relatively new owner, Tepper, has been in charge. So not great all around. Um it was a disappearing act for Adam Thielen this week. He only had three targets, only caught one of them for two yards. Uh, one of the bright spots was 
Jonathan Mingo a little bit, but he also had like a really weird attempt at catching that looked like it had no shot. So not sure he is quite refined enough yet, although I think he has a lot of talent. But Tennessee, I think that Will Levis also struggled this week. And I mean, he did just enough to help move the chains enough for them to get the lead, which 17 to 10 isn't that spectacular of a game, but they finally leaned on Henry again, gave him more rushes. He rewarded them with 76 yards and two touchdowns off those 18 rushes. Um, Not much to go on the offense uh, for the passing side. Uh, Hopkins narrowly edged out the other receivers there. So ball was spread around pretty well, but no one got a touchdown in the air. These are just two bad teams in my opinion, but their defenses are one of the things that keep them in close games. But I, I don't think either one of them has any shot at playoffs. I don't think that uh, either of them is super competitive unless they play another bad team. So I don't know what they do to fix things at this point. And Jeff, I don't know if you want to chime in with uh, anything on this matchup. So Frank Reich was let go after this matchup. I mean, that was it's a pretty big deal right there. And David Tepper let up a little uh, slip up today that he they had a trade worked out to go to number two where the Texans would have took the number one pick and took Bryce Young and they were going to take CJ Stroud at number two and the Bears were going to slide back down to to nine like they did but apparently the Panthers offered enough where the Bears were comfortable with it and they kind of cut the Texans out of that deal but uh, it does sound like uh, it does sound like they had a choice to move up to two and uh, take CJ Stroud but it also does sound like the Texans had their heart set on Bryce Young also. Yeah but Tepper also said that everyone was on the same page and that everyone wanted Bryce Young. And I think that was the draft Nick community as well that also was thinking the same thing. Um, it hasn't worked out, and it worked out in favor for the Texans, if if that is in fact true. Outside of that, man, I, I was thinking about this today, and I was going to ask you this. So this is my hypothetical that I alluded to. Would you rather the Panthers have traded what they did to get the number one overall pick in Bryce Young, or would you rather have them traded what Denver traded with the Saints to get Sean Payton? So just to break it down for you, the the Panthers traded the ninth overall pick, the 61st. uh, They traded a 2024 first-round pick, a 2025 second, and DJ Moore to move up to number one for Bryce Young, or... Denver traded its first and second round picks and and uh, got Sean Payton in the third round pick in return. Ooh. For those of you listening, Jeff is marinating on this. I would have to say, in your hypothetical, I would like to pick apart the hypothetical for a second. There's no way in God's green earth that the Saints would have traded Sean Payton in division. So I want to I start True. by saying fair. that. That's fair. That's very fair. Yeah, I want to start by saying that there was never even a possibility of getting Sean Payton here, but I would rather have had the coach to to get the quarterback to 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 do all of that. It's a guy that I know can coach in the league. Frank Reich, now that he's been let go, pretty much said this week that that is pretty much going to end his NFL journey. So he just seems to be done coaching, done with the NFL. So I know Tepper is a bit he 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 doesn't take failure well, so he he moves really quickly off failure. But to t- to know that that's his last coaching gig and that he's going to be done coaching from here or most likely done coaching from here, that tells me that that was probably the right call. Because um, I don't know if his heart is in coaching anymore, if this is, if that's how he's going to see it on the way out the door. It'll be really interesting to see who wants to take this job because he just moved off of Matt Rule. He moved off of the defensive coordinator. Who was the defensive coordinator that um, everyone wanted to get that job? And then they ended up giving it to Reich. Uh, who was the Panthers' Wilkes, defensive coordinator Wilkes. last year? Yeah, Wilkes, Wilkes. Yeah, who's now going to win a Super Bowl? Maybe with the Forty ers So maybe, maybe. But that, but that defense though was stacked, regardless of with, without with or without Wilkes. So yeah. I'm not saying that Wilkes is contributing to that, but yeah, he's, he he signed up for a pretty sweet gig. And I mean, to answer your question, I would rather have had the coach than the quarterback right off the bat. But uh, but yeah, I mean. There's always a chance of trading for Kyler Murray at that point. I mean, there was a chance of getting Carson Wentz and 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 Sean Payton because Carson Wentz was free up until a couple of weeks ago. But uh, there is something to be said about a young, cheap, controllable quarterback. And once we get to Chicago, we will kind of discuss that as well and why I think that it might be time for them to flip the page on their current page. Okay, well, let's move on to the next matchup, which is the second overall pick, 
in this last draft. The guy taken right after Bryce Young, and that's C.J. Stroud took with the Texans, took on the Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence. And that was a, a really good matchup that, to me, was filled with a lot of terrible officiating. And granted, it was on both sides. I can't really... I think it was a little bit worse for the Texans, but it was just bad all around. And on top of that, I, so I can go into the officiating side, but on top of that, I think the Texans had a couple chances to win the game or at least tie it. And questionable call on fourth and one that ended up in a fourth down turnover because they should have gone for, uh, there was less than a yard. It's like fourth and like six feet or whatever. It was fourth and really short. And they could have gone for QB sneak. They could have gone for a power run something but they tried to throw it deep on that one and it didn't work out and i was left scratching my head and then uh, at the end that last drive for the texans i thought stroud could have thrown a shorter pass to just get the first down but he tried to go for a big play and probably try to win the game and that didn't work out then they had to kick a field goal and it was a 58 yarder when the kicker already missed a 50 yarder i don't know why you kick a 58 yarder so a lot of bad uh, a few bad plays that still could have overcome what they did in the officiating side. So the Texans, Tank Dell got robbed of two catches. One of them was a 63-yarder where he beat the corner. The ball was underthrown, turned around, and as a little guy who's probably like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, out-jumped the corner who was much bigger than him and got the catch, but it was called back for a uh, offensive line shift, a legal shift, which I thought was a little questionable, but sure. And then he had a sideline catch where uh, still picture proof showed he actually caught that pass and they didn't give it to him. It, it seemed like the officials got calls wrong and then they tried to make up for it with questionable calls later. So like with at the beginning of the game, a lot of stuff was going the Jaguars way. And then they decided, Oh, like we shafted the Texans, let's shaft the Jaguars. And then like, it just went back and forth like that. So officiating has not been good. I think a lot of people have pointed out officiating this year hasn't been good and I don't see it getting better and I, I think the Texans there's a couple of games I think that they should have won and they they've outperformed my expectations already but I think that based on how they've played on paper I think they should be a borderline playoff team and I think they still have a chance but ah uh, this is going to be a nice rivalry going forward so at least we have that Jeff as an outsider how did you feel about this matchup I know you picked the Jaguars I picked the Texans you got it right this week so how did you feel about this matchup? Hey, that's back-to-back -back right matchups for me. Um, I'm going to stick away from the officiating a bit on this one, uh, and I'm going to really harp on, because it was, you had brought up the fourth down call of bombing it instead of going for the quarterback sneak or, or, or whatever in that situation, but it was also third down that they also bombed it. So th there was back-to-back -back bombs on third and like a half yard or a yard or whatever it was, and no one tried to get over the sticks at all. They it was back to back bad play calls. Like yeah. I don't know if it was Stroud, I don't know if it was the head coach, I don't know if it was the offensive coordinator, but it was back to back bad, bad play calls. And honestly, that's probably right there what cost them the entire game right there, that sequence. Because it should have never came down to a fifty eight yard field goal. But the Jaguars are undefeated on the road this year, which is something at this exact point. It's really hard to go undefeated on the road. And we'll see if they can keep it up going forward. But uh, Nico Collins, I did notice, although all of the penalties with um, Tank Dell's catches, Nico Collins did lead the team in receiving, and they got and he got a score. And uh, Ridley also led his team in receiving and got a score. So just kind of because we're constantly watching this receiving core and just trying both of both teams and trying to see if Kirk yeah. or Ridley, trying to see if Collins Dell or even Noah Brown when Noah Brown comes back leads that team. Um, Kind of something that also I didn't sit well with me is that Stroud led the team in running this week. Mm -hmm. So like, why why did you go away from using the running backs when you were having such good success with Singletary, especially in a three point game? Like, it's not like this was like a big blowout where you're trying to bomb the ball, bomb the ball, and just try to get back into this game. Uh, but it was a game of the week. It was lost by a a, 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 a failed long field goal attempt. But uh, mm -hmm. I, I don't think there's much for the Texans to have their head down here. But there is some learning. There, there are some learning points here for the Texans because they could have done so many things better in this matchup. So I, I know that going into the year, you weren't very high on Nico Collins. Have you changed your mind? Yes and no, because like if Dell makes those catches, like is Nico as as 
um, involved as this. So it does seem like he is the 1B to Dell right now, which the two Dell ones, if you add up all of his yards, he surpasses um, Collins this past week. So it does seem like he's becoming the 1B. And then I don't even know how Noah Brown fits into this once he comes back. Like... <laughs> It's it's too much for my brain to compute, and I'm going to actually have to see it, like how this receiving core shakes out when Noah Brown comes back, because he was gaining such good um, chemistry with Stroud. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I, I still like Nico Collins, and I really like Tank Dell. Both of them, if Noah Brown doesn't take away from their thunder that much, both of them are on pace for potentially 1,000 yards this year, which is not something that Texans receivers have done in a while. Like they haven't had two wide receivers at the same time get a thousand yards. I don't think maybe in franchise history, unless I'm missing uh, a year, was, but was there a Johnson that, Hopkins year? No, they, they never overlapped as far as I, I'm aware. Cause I think Johnson was gone when they got Hopkins. And if, if he was there, then I don't think either one of them got a thousand yards that his first year. So, I mean, that's something we can look into, but no, I don't, I don't think the Texans, as far as I'm aware, I don't think they've ever had a year where they had two wide receivers get 1,000 yards. There's that. And then Singletary got 81, 82% of the uh, shares from the backfield. Although Singletary and Pierce basically split actual rushes. Singletary was involved a lot more in the, the passing game, which I think is, is telling at this point, although Pierce was coming off of an injury. So we'll see if that holds true. We'll see if they can fix their rushing game again and Maybe it'll be more successful next week. We'll see how that develops as well as the receiving group who leads out there. But we can move on to the next matchup, which we can probably breeze through, and that is the Patriots at the Giants. And I got this one right with picking the Giants. I know you picked the Patriots. Have you officially jumped off the Patriots bandwagon? <laughs> not really bandwagon because they're. it's not like you were a... a huge supporter of them at this stage but do you think that they win any more games at this point how do you feel about this matchup so i am completely off of the patriots but i never really was on them that much but they, they did get me eliminated from my second survivor pool this week i'm upset that the giants didn't win this game as much as the patriots lost this game i went just looking at the way the game went i wish they would have started and played bailey zappy this entire game because i think the game would have been different I don't think you get the three picks that Mac Jones had in the first half. If Bailey Zappi Zappi was out there. had one of them. Okay. So the two picks, but there were some other egregiously thrown footballs by Mac Jones as well. Like his confidence is just gone. Yeah. So uh, but, I think, yeah, the, I don't think there's much difference between Zappi and Jones, but I think Zappi is still marginally better. So, I mean, I would agree with you there. Oh, right. Uh, I don't really have we'll much just... else to add to this one because it's it's it hurts me to talk about this game. I mean, I, I will just bring up a couple points here. Ramondre Stevenson had a really good game. Uh, he had 98 rushing yards and a touchdown. Um, I, I think that he is still viable fantasy-wise. He had hit five receptions, but only for nine yards. That still counts in PPR and half PPR. So enjoy that. I, I think he will be relatively viable as an RB2 or flex play. Going forward, Saquon didn't have that good of a week, but Jalen Hyatt finally had his maybe breakout. He had five receptions that led the Giants receiving for 109 yards. I I hope that they continue to use him. Jeff and I have talked offline that three out of their four wins came with Jalen Hyatt being the number one receiving option for the Giants or the number two to a healthy Darren Waller. And I think that that is the, the right play for them going forward. Uh, Tommy DeVito was the best quarterback in this matchup. Just like I called before this matchup, he didn't have a pick. He he did have a fumble loss, but he had a touchdown and had a 103.9 QB rating. So I, I think that right now he is uh, maybe keeping the Giants relatively competitive, at least against other bad teams. And maybe they can get a couple more wins before the end of the year. So that's really all I had to say about this matchup. Um, yeah, that's all I had to say about that. But I would like to rewind for a second. Hopkins and Johnson played two seasons together. Yep. And Johnson had 1,400 and Hopkins had 802. That was Hopkins' rookie year. So you are correct on that front. And year two, 
Johnson had 936 yards and Hopkins had 1,210 yards. So Hopkins had taken over as the alpha in year two, but still no two 1,000-yard receivers that Dell and Collins could be. So just giving you an update here on your team. All right. Yeah, I thought maybe there's one year, but I forgot that there was two years that we had both of them. Yeah, that's like a huge deal. I mean, your quarterback was Ryan Fitzpatrick, Mr. Gunslinger. uh, The Fitzmagic days. I have fond memories of him, but he certainly wasn't a top option there. But we can move on to your division rivals here, and that's the Saints at the Falcons. We both picked the Saints, and the Falcons ended up coming up on top. Jeff, how are we feeling about the Saints at this point? This division is terrible, and the Falcons now lead this terrible division. Um, but as far as this game here, Ritter does keep winning at home. Um, I think he's only got one home loss in his entire like high school, college pro career, maybe two. Uh, Bijan is finally starting to look like the player that they drafted. He is catching the ball. He is running the ball. Although Algier and Patterson are involved much more frequently than Bijan Robinson owners would like at this exact juncture. I don't think he'll be, I don't think he'll have the value that he was drafted at this year. I think he was completely overdrafted just because he's a rookie and he's the new shiny object and toy. Um, Chris Olave finally started to look really good and he's starting to change my opinion on him slowly, but he was injured in this matchup. Drake London also looked really good in this matchup. Um, Wonder what it would look like if he had a better quarterback throwing him the football and uh Carr seems like a huge waste of money this year. Um, I would rather play Jameis Winston at this point going forward. If I was the saints, because I know that he's at least going to keep the ball moving down the field. Yes. He's going to throw more interceptions, but I do believe he's going to throw for more touchdowns as well. So take the good with the bad, but it becomes a much more watchable product with Jameis on the field. What are your thoughts on this matchup? I I mean, I think you, basically covered everything I, i'm still confused why Cordero patterson is used as a running back and not as a wide receiver granted they had the lead for a good portion of this game but i mean just a narrow narrow margin for a lot of this matchup until towards the end um Taysom hill still viable almost every week which is shocking to me granted michael thomas was out this week so i think that contributed for Chris Olave as well. I'm glad Alvin Kamara is still being used, although I would have liked a touchdown. But for the Falcons, Kyle Pitts has now had multiple, multiple, multiple terrible weeks. I think he's had two quality weeks this entire season. And one of them was because he got a touchdown. The other one was because he had 11 targets. He has completely disappeared again. And at this point, I don't know. I've seen a lot of leagues where he's already been cut and been in free agency. Is he someone that you can still keep on your roster in redraft leagues? Does he have a value in dynasty leagues at this point where people are just hoping next year is better? What do you, what do you think of Kyle Pitts at this point? Man, I think that it was a waste of a pick. Yeah. I wonder what he would look like on another team. Yeah. I just don't, I don't see it working out well with, with the coach and the quarterback, like, and his contract's going to be up before they could really even use him. Do they even really resign him at that point? Like, uh, I don't really know what I think of Kyle Pitts because I don't think we've gotten a fair shake of Kyle Pitts. I think they should trade him to the Chargers. Let's go. Okay. That would um, be exciting. Yeah, I think Yeah, that would be much more exciting. I think Kyle Pitts would instantly be probably a, a top two, three round pick. I think he'd be taken right where like Kelsey and Andrews get picked every year if he went to the Chargers. But uh, we can move on to the next matchup here. A lot of division matchups this week, and this one is the Steelers at the Bengals. Jeff, you went with the Bengals this week, even without Joe Burrow. Uh, I, I went with the Steelers. Part of that was because of the coaching change. And I think that Yardage-wise, that certainly worked out. They didn't score very much, despite all the yards that they accumulated. Jeff, what did you think about this matchup? So, again, we are in a place where you got the pick right and I got the pick wrong. But Pickett looked better without Canada, but still no TD passes. Fryermuth is back. I scooped him in a league. I don't know how he was on the waiver wire, but I'm glad that I was able to scoop him. 
And Chase has a fine day, but I don't know if you noticed, like a lot of his catches were off of like ricochets and catches that weren't like really well thrown. So I don't know how long and how sustainable that is currently. And then the last thing I noticed is that Harris severely outperformed Warren, which makes me question who the starter is going forward in this lineup. Your thoughts on on, on that? Like, how do you feel about Warren and uh, Harris? I I think that they're going to flip-flop every single week. And part of Harris's outperforming Warren was because Warren fumbled, and I feel like he was sat out for a bit after that. But to me, I I never view one as the de facto running back one. I think they're always going to be roughly a 50-50 split. I think they're always going to have relatively productive weeks. That's just how the Steelers' offense is is built right now because they're clearly not going to get it through the air for the most part. And I think that with the blocking that they have, they're much better suited for run blocking than than pass blocking. And their tight end, Darnell Washington, was out there laying pancakes, blocking for Najee Harris and Jalen Warren out on the edge. So I think both of them are viable. RB2s, RB3s, flexes in that range for the rest of the year without really one of them being a consistent RB1 or, or even a consistent RB2. But as far as Firemouth goes, I'm happy to see him after coming back from an injury, put up 120 yards off of 11 targets. So that's good for me. I have him in two dynasty leagues. I also have Kittle in the same leagues that I have Firemouth. And I'm just wondering, Jeff, I think going into this week, who would you rather start between Firemouth and Kittle? Oh, boy. Uh, I'd still probably start Kittle because I think that he's got a much bigger boom bust potential. But I like the boom side of it as well. Well, it doesn't seem like it's going to be George Pickens or Deontay Johnson with how they've played of late and the seemingly attitude issues that they've had. So Firemouth might be the receiving option there in the for the near future. I agree. Okay. But I still would go with Kittle Let- because I, I trust that offense more. Yeah. I think he has the the safer floor for sure. Okay, let's move on to the Buccaneers at Colts. And Jeff, I picked the Buccaneers. You picked the Colts. Colts won it 27 to 20. So you get this one. I'll let you talk about this matchup. Uh, I know you're a Gardner Minshew fan. Uh, I know you have a lot to talk about these two teams. So I'll, I'll let you go for it. So... I mean, we're back to the lowly NFC South here, and the Buccaneers literally could have took the number one seed in the division, and they did not here. Minshew outdueled Mayfield, in my opinion. Um, Michael Pittman and Rashad White, they crossed the century mark in receiving and rushing, for respectively. Um, and then Jonathan Taylor, who has injured his thumb and is now out two to three weeks. He did score twice on 15 carries and promptly got drug tested after that. I don't really have many other takeaways in this matchup. Um, but obviously Mike Evans is getting much, much closer to his 1000 yards receiving. And I do expect that to happen very shortly, but with Godwin, this offense really cannot support two pass catching options in my opinion. Yeah, they didn't get enough yardage in in the passing game. I I think that Baker threw enough, and I think that Baker was the better quarterback in in this matchup. Uh, Minshew threw 11 more times and only completed four more passes than Baker. Um, So I don't think that Minshew is better at this point. I think they're somewhat similar. Um, Out of the the receivers, though, I really appreciate the duality for these teams because Mike Evans on the Buccaneers side, Michael Pittman, on the Colts side, I think that they have a lot of similarities with Mike Evans being the more prolific guy between those two and Godwin versus Josh Downs. I think that Josh Downs is a younger, better version of Godwin at this point. But either one of these teams could have won this. This was pretty much a coin flip. And uh, I expected the AFC South to be worse than the NFC South, but it looks like it's the opposite this year. And it, I feel like it could have gone either way. Sorry that your division is uh, not doing great because I know that you definitely want your division rivals to be nowhere near the top of the draft for these quarterbacks this year. So it looks like maybe one of them might be. And uh, I'm sorry that that's about to happen to your division. Yeah. And uh, just so we're on the Mike Evans watch here, he's got, what, six games left and he needs 150 yards. So I think that's safe. That is 1,000 yard receiving streak is going to be safe as long as he avoids injury. 
Okay. Well, let's go ahead and move on to one that we both got right, and that was the Browns at the Broncos. We both went Broncos for this matchup. It was your lock it up pick, and it turned out correct. So, Jeff, I know you're excited about Sean Payton and Russell Wilson this year. Why don't you talk about this matchup a little bit? So they won their fifth straight. They're in playoff contention. Um, you're right. I did have it as a lock it up pick, but I had to win both lock it up picks to move on. So I'm completely eliminated from that now. So it's like a bittersweet moment here. DTR got knocked out of the game with a concussion. So we'll see if he can make it back next week to start. If not, it does sound like it'll be the Joe Flacco show. We have Cooper. Mari Cooper seems to be taking a back seat to Elijah Moore and David Njoku with DTR. It'll be interesting to see what that looks like with Joe Flacco, if Joe Flacco is out there as well. I don't expect Joe Flacco to be able to walk right off of the street and be a decent starting quarterback. So I think it could be a very ugly matchup for the Browns next week. The Broncos, uh, they couldn't really get their rushing game going. Russ did just enough to get them a two-score win. I, I just, uh, they don't do anything spectacular, but their defense is playing pretty spectacular right now. And Sean Payton has minimized turnovers and they are scoring when they need scores. So that is why they have the five game winning streak. And do you believe that they are in the playoff conversation now? So first you said that they didn't get the rushing game going. I think they did get the rushing game going. They didn't get their passing game going. Is that what you meant? I, I mean, Javante was not good. Yeah. And he was the one that had 20 touches. P. Ryan had 55 yards off seven rushes, and Russell Wilson rushed 11 times for 31 yards and a touchdown. So, I mean, yeah, I was mostly counting their starter. Yeah. Javante, I I mean, I still don't think he's playing, uh, I guess, not every, most people aren't playing 100%, but he's still not quite healthy enough to really get that spring, in my opinion. But he's playing well enough to still be the starter. Yeah, and he had an injury scare. Yeah. It, as far as your question goes, whether they are a playoff caliber team now, I think that they're they're fairly close to it. I think that there's a couple more things that they need to fix, and I, I think that there's still there's still a chance for them to make it this year. But I think it'd be more towards next year that they might be a playoff caliber team. So I'm almost there with you. I, I think Russell Wilson has actually played a very very good uh, game this year. So he's done much better than I expected. And I think that he deserves the credit and Sean Payton deserves the credit because Sean Payton is gearing things more towards Russell Wilson's skill sets. Russell Wilson, we've talked about it offline. He, he has 20 touchdowns through the air to only four interceptions, which is the highest touchdown percentage to interception percentage ratio of any quarterback in the league this year, as far as I'm aware. So he, he's played well. It's like not even necessarily game manager levels he's played above that and i think he deserves credit for that i do think that they need an upgrade at wide receiver i don't think jerry judy is uh anything more than just a guy and i think Cortland sutton's a good possession guy so i think that they could use a a, a better wide receiver to complement that maybe marvin mims develops into that but uh, right now I, i think that they need a little bit of help for them to really get over that edge their defense has been phenomenal over the past few weeks and i think that deserves credit as well i think their defense is going to be a top 10 fantasy defense the rest of the year, even with tough matchups. So I think that that is something to be said. As far as Cleveland, you missed one receiver's name, and that is Cedric Tillman. Just like his former college teammate, Jalen Hyatt, I think Cedric Tillman is starting to rise on this list as well. Elijah Moore was pretty inefficient with the nine targets that, that were thrown his way, and he fumbled. So I think that Tillman, along with Njoku, will be two of the top three options. I still expect Cooper to have a bounce back, especially with Joe Flacco. I think he would want to target Cooper more, as well as these other giants, Tillman and, and Njoku. So that's my expectation. If Flacco is the guy for the rest of the year. And like you said, there may be some adjustment with him coming off the street. So we'll see how that goes. Jeff, do you agree with, with those statements? Do you think? Yes, especially the last one. I think it could be very ugly for the Browns week one if Flacco was starting off of the street, and I don't know the last time he started a game. So I can't imagine what it would be like for him to see something at game speed. We'll see. All right, Jeff, 
We are moving on now to the Rams at the Cardinals. I got a little too cute with this, and I picked the Cardinals in this one. I expected a little bit more out of Kyler Murray, which is kind of hilarious, considering how I've, my stance on Kyler Murray over the last year and a half. So Rams took this fairly easily, and they won it 37-14. Jeff, you got this one right. How do you feel about this matchup, and how do you feel about both running backs in this matchup, the disparity there? So Kyron Williams is back, and he had 16 carries for 143 yards and six receptions for 61 yards and two touchdowns receiving. So that was that's 204 combined yards and two touchdowns coming right off of IR. I don't really know what to make of Kyron Williams. It is he really this good? Is he really that centerpiece for this Rams offense? Like he just seems like a such a, like a jag, like another guy, uh, and. Uh, but the Rams destroyed the Cardinals in this one, and they're also in the playoff hunt now. Um, when you destroy an NFL team like that, it, uh, it raises eyes. Um, I don't like how Connor only got six carries, so that is the disparage, the the um, discrepancy that you're talking about between the two running backs here. And uh, six times is kind of crazy because he should have had six carries on their first like three, like their first two to three drives. And he didn't, and I'm just kind of, I'm confused what's happening there. Um, but also, uh, Mar- Marquise Hollywood Brown and the Cardinals are talking an extension. And do you think it's a coincidence that he got 12 targets here in a week where they're talking an extension? No, I, I don't think it's a coincidence. I don't think I don't think he's a good receiver. I think he's an athletic receiver, but I don't think he is someone you can make as an actual number one option of a focal point so i honestly i wouldn't pay him i would trade him to somebody else they already rely heavily on their tight end so trey mcbride and uh also i guess he's this one's not a tight end but he's a a tall receiver um i think that they already have options i think that's michael wilson i would love to see michael wilson get some run with the team i know he's been battling injuries and, and whatnot but I, I think that he would be a better guy. And I think Rondell Moore and Marquise Brown are almost the same person. So why would you not just roll with Rondell Moore and trade Marquise Brown to somebody else and kind of build up on your defense, kind of build up where you're lacking by the draft capital you may get? I, there's no reason for me why Kyler Murray should ever throw 45 times in a game. He's not that kind of quarterback. He's an athletic guy that you want to get into space. He only rushed one time in this entire game, and that's for a two-yard touchdown. I I don't know why that they aren't using that ground game a little bit more because that's one of the things that he does best. So I'm confused with their entire game plan against the Rams. I think it was like exactly the wrong thing to do. And it feels like that they were trying to prove a point that he's a pocket quarterback and they're going to beat the Rams with Kyler Murray in the pocket. And that makes no sense to me. But as, as far as your question with Kyron Williams, I've kind of felt Kyron Williams was just a guy and his explosion this year kind of feels like it's coming out of nowhere. But at the same token, when he wasn't there, I feel like Royce Freeman and even uh, Daryl Henderson in spot spot situations kind of got similar production. Maybe not as good, but Kyron's explosiveness is coming from nowhere because he didn't he didn't show it to me at all until this year. So I, I don't know. To answer your question, I, I don't know if this really is him or not. That's something that we have to see throughout the course of the year and see if it goes away or if it stays at the same point. I would agree with that. Okay, just a few matchups left, and we can move on to the Bills at the Eagles, which was a phenomenal game. Um, the Eagles ended up winning in overtime 37-34. to Jeff, if you're a Bills fan, are you panicking that they might miss the playoffs at this point now that they're 6-6? Six and six? Uh, I don't feel great about it, but they're a team that—so there's—, there's... They're still a top team in the league. Like, I know that their record doesn't show it, but they had the Eagles on the ropes like three times in this game on the road. So, Allen was dominant. Hurts didn't show up until the second half and then scores five touchdowns. This this easily was the game of the week. Another one of my takeaways here is have teams started to figure out how to guard A.J. Brown, and will that become a distraction for the Eagles? Because we know in week one and week two, he was kind of the squeaky wheel, and he finally got the grease. 
um, is there is is there a potential that that AJ Brown here starts getting frustrated again and speaks up? So, I mean, I could see that happening. I'm not sure if it's necessarily that teams have found a way, 100 percent, to to lock down AJ Brown, but they certainly made it difficult to get him the ball. I, I really feel like the Eagles are missing an option at at wide receiver or even tight end because without Goddard, I feel like they're missing something crucial because it's just really Smith and Brown. Granted, I think that they could use DeAndre Swift a little bit more out of uh, the passing game, and I'm not sure why they, they didn't in this matchup, but Jalen Hurts only completed 18 passes in this one. Threw for three touchdowns, one interception, but he rushed 14 times for 65 yards and two touchdowns, just like Josh Allen lit it up on his side with 51 passing attempts, including 29 of them for 339 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, led the Bills as the rusher as well. Nine rushes, 81 yards, and two touchdowns. I think he put, put up, what, 40 points for fantasy owners this week? So he, for a year that he was supposed to be cutting back rushing, he's now gone back in that habit. The Bills, like you said, were winning for a good portion of this game. But to me, at this point, Jalen Hurts has the best clutch, clutch gene of all the quarterbacks right now. Every time that He's playing from behind in the fourth quarter. He ends up winning. I think he's won all five times that that's happened this year. And that that's phenomenal to me. He's for against he's the like, Jets. A, oh, he lost against the Jets. So five of six. But he's like that. <laughs> so like a racing thing. Like he, he's like that horse that has to see someone else leading to really get that extra drive. And like, charge through and sprint towards the end. I think that he's got that fight in him, and that's something that some of these other quarterbacks haven't really overcome at this point. I'm not sure that I've seen Dak come back at the end and have that clutch drive this year. I think he's had some games in the past. I haven't really seen it from some of these other quarterbacks either, so I I think that the Eagles are the team to beat in the entire league this year. I don't, I don't know if the Chiefs will make it to the Super Bowl. I think that it might be an NFC-heavy favorite this year so the eagles the 49ers i think those two teams might be the two best teams in football right now yeah i mean as you said this is a team sport and the eagles are one of the better teams and uh i think that helps your quote unquote clutch gene at quarterback when you're surrounded by that that talent and you know that you are going to get stops on defense and and yeah um so aj brown has 13 catches for 111 yards which isn't too bad except for that's been the last three weeks total so he started off the year with 11 catches for for roughly 90 or 108 yards and that was in the first two games and he started chirping then i can only imagine what's in his thought process right now yeah well he is someone that at a certain stretch of the year people were clamoring as a possible mvp candidate and that certainly has dropped off lately i, I think yep. he'll bounce back i think he'll be used a little bit more but i don't think he's the same caliber as a tyree kill so no i don't think he's quite there no. yet but when he squeaked the first time he did two four six weeks straight of 100 yards receiving we'll and then see. now he's got 111 yards over the last three weeks total okay do you, do you have anything else on this matchup before we move on? No. Let's do a quick Gabe Davis sighting. He got over 100 yards on this, this one. So he, uh, another week where Stefan Diggs has been outgained by another receiving option on this team. So Which is what they throw that need. Out there. They need a second receiver. Imagine Josh Allen with both Devonta Smith and, and A.J. Brown. Like He doesn't have I mean, a Devonta that, Smith that be... option. A.J. Brown and Stefan Diggs mean, are pretty comparable. I don't know. I I would say uh, it's just their skill sets are different, right? Because AJ Brown's the more physical, explosive guy, whereas Smith is more of the route runner, possession guy, but he has also pretty good speed. Where I feel like Stefan Diggs is a more all around wide receiver. He doesn't have the same athleticism, but he is like pretty much good on most levels. So I, I don't, I don't know if you, he's not the same receiver those two are. He's a more complete guy. That makes sense. But uh, we can move on. We've got three matchups left, and we can do the Chiefs at the Raiders. 
we both picked the Chiefs in this one. The Chiefs did, in fact, win 31-17. However, I thought that despite the score, the Raiders played very well in this one. And I think that the Chiefs are very fortunate that Crosby was hurt for uh, for the Raiders. I think that him having a bulky knee certainly was a positive thing for Patrick Mahomes because Crosby is one of the best pass rushers in the league this year. And I think that this could have been a much, much closer game, especially with Aiden O'Connell playing fairly well. I mean, he had a 101.6 passer rating. He had zero interceptions, had zero, zero turnovers at all. So I thought as a mid to late round rookie playing against the best quarterback in the league, I thought that was a pretty good duel. And Josh Jacobs had that really, really awesome 63-yard rush, rush for a touchdown. So I thought that was very positive for the Raiders. And Jacoby Myers, that touchdown and leading the, the team in receiving yards over Devontae Adams, I thought that was positive. I know you, you talked about you thought he was disappearing off the map, so he came back. Uh, wasn't enough to overcome the Chiefs. And I know that you want to talk about the, the Chiefs receiving group a little bit so i will let you go ahead and, and take over from here so it appears that rasheed rice has a shot to be the wide receiver one there which is kind of crazy because we did have a debate about rasheed rice and sky Moore earlier this year um but it does seem like andy reed had uh challenged his offense to step up and rasheed rice is one of those that did step up this week the Raiders jumped out to an early lead, which I thought the Chiefs were on the ropes with the Raiders, and that didn't last. But this was a Jacoby Myers game, which was interesting because they had been targeting Devonta Adams so much the last few games. So I wonder how Devonta feels about that. And uh, yeah, that's really all I have to say about this game because the Chiefs kind of dominated this game. Yeah, they uh, they certainly dominated it from basically middle of the second quarter until the end okay let's move on we have two last games for you guys and neither one of them were very great score wise so we'll go with the ravens at the chargers we both picked the ravens we both got it right so back to back both of us getting it correct and i think that this was very much a defensive matchup here so 20 20 to 10 not much fantasy wise to go on and i don't think that's Lamar Jackson here did that much for fantasy owners. I don't think Herbert did that much for fantasy owners this week. He had two turnovers, not not as much yardage, only one touchdown. Austin Eckler was completely shut down for the most part uh, this week. Uh, That's happened a a couple weeks now, and I'm wondering if anyone out there is panicking on him. Keenan Allen salvaged his week with 14 receptions for 106 yards, even with a fumbled loss. Not much to write home about for basically anyone else, although I thought Keaton Mitchell should have had more rushes because he was very effective with only nine rushes, 64 yards, and averaging seven and a half yards per carry. I don't know why he's not used more. Zay Flowers got two touchdowns, not much yardage to go on, but one of the touchdowns was on a 37-yard rush. Jeff, did I miss anything? What did you think about this matchup? The Chargers are just disappointing right now, and I don't know when they're going to make a change, but there, there is a need for a change here. Keaton Mitchell for the Ravens is an interesting running back going forward. Like, I don't know if this is just a this year thing or if it's a future year thing. I took a risk on him and extended him in a dynasty league because I think that it's worth the risk because I don't think Dobbins comes back full strength next year. If he comes back at all to the Ravens Edwards, we know what he is. Justice Hill, we know what he is, so it it just it just seemed like the best move. Um, Flowers, I predicted this was a make right game for his um, called back touchdown that should have never been called back, and he got one rushing and one receiving touchdown, so it just felt like a make right game for him in that area. Uh, Keenan Allen dominates with sixteen targets, sixteen, like that is monster targets for a receiver that was not drafted in the first three rounds of drafts this year. I think he was like a fourth or a fifth rounder, if I'm not mistaken, if not later. So just something to think about when people say that a, a, a wide receiver or even a running back are done. Don't always just take them at face value and kind of stick to your own uh, observations. 
especially when they're can i say that keenan allen's a hall of famer like he's got to be pretty close right i would say close i'm not quite giving it to him yet but he's he's pretty close he's been doing it forever at this level and i know his first six years were injury marred and everything like that and everyone everyone said that he was just injury prone and i'll argue to the day i die that uh injury prone is not a thing um but staying healthy is a skill and it took it took keenan allen a long time to learn that skill okay so i mean i I don't disagree with you there but we can move on to the final matchup of the week and that is the bears at the minnesota vikings jeff you picked the vikings this one i picked the bears you thought i was crazy bears won a horrible horrible matchup 12 to 10 where do we start jeff I don't know. I was saying during this matchup that it's going to be very hard for me to find talking points during this matchup. Luckily, the Vikings gave me a talking point this week, and they said after the four interceptions that Dobbs may be benched, and then they're going to be reevaluating the quarterback position. Also, another takeaway in this matchup is Fields just isn't good. Uh, He had four turnovers, was unable to turn any of them into a touchdown. Wasn't it four picks? Not so he 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 received. He received four turnovers and was unable to turn any of them into touchdowns. So I, uh, sorry, I said that he got four turnovers. He didn't. So I was, I was talking about the turnovers he got versus the turnovers that he gave, gave away. So he received short fields four times and he was unable to turn any of those into a touchdown, which is not a good look. And DJ Moore is the lone bright spot in this entire matchup. I know Roshan uh, carried the ball most of this matchup, but he didn't do it that well. And I just I I don't know what else to say in this matchup, but it was it was a hard Monday night football matchup to watch. If you didn't have fantasy or a bet on it, probably didn't watch a ton of it. Oh yeah, I just brutal. Just so I I thought that DJ Moore obviously had a salvageable week, actually a good week because he had 11 receptions for 114 yards. Roshan, while on the ground. Didn't do that well. I mean, I don't think Khalil Herbert did either, but Roshan had five receptions for 40 yards, which is a new development as for usage-wise. So I think that that is interesting. Um, I, I thought that Madison didn't do that great. Uh, I expected just a little bit more. TJ Hawkinson had a salvageable week with uh, 50 yards and a touchdown, but Jordan Addison, not what I would have wanted. Um, I don't think Cole Komet, I would, I expected a little bit more from him. So this just wasn't a good game. And Josh Dobbs, I think that teams know what Josh Dobbs is. And I think that the Bears, over there, they went through a similar transformation defensively that the Broncos did a little bit, where the Bears actually have a usable defense. I think that they've done fairly well the last few weeks to kind of minimize the damage that they allowed earlier on in the season. And I think that Minnesota, they're just going to struggle without Kirk Cousins. And like I suspected, Justin Jefferson didn't play in this game. Maybe that would have made the difference. I think it probably would have if he did play. He's not back until after this bye week. I don't know if Minnesota can make the playoffs at this point. They are the team, to me, that looks like are going to fall out of the playoffs on the NFC side and open up the door for maybe a Los Angeles Rams, maybe a division rival with Green Bay. New Orleans, Tampa, those are teams that could either make it at the the seven spot or they can win their division and uproot Atlanta. I mean, those are teams that I I just don't know who's going to make it at this point for the NFC. I mean, the Eagles have clinched making the playoffs. They're the first team to do that. So there's them. San Francisco, I believe, is probably going to make it in their Super Bowl contender. Detroit is probably going to win the NFC North. So... At Atlanta, they're currently the division leaders, but any of the three teams, Atlanta, New Orleans, Tampa, any of them could end up being the division winner, and they might even have a losing record going into the playoffs. Dallas is going to make it as a wild card. I don't envision them supplanting Philadelphia. It's possible. It's mathematically possible. Seattle, they're barely hanging in there, six and five. They're barely better than Minnesota right now, which is kind of sad. So, I mean, they can get knocked out by. Green Bay's in the hunt, Rams are in the hunt, New Orleans, Tampa, even the Giants at this point are in the hunt. Surprisingly, Chicago can still make it, and Washington can still make it. I think I think you can rule out Arizona and Carolina. 
So there's a lot of fight left, and I'm I'm very curious who's going to end up actually making the playoffs because I think Minnesota will be on the outside come playoff time. Yeah, I think the Rams probably make it. I think I think Seattle is reeling a little bit right now too, so that's something to be on the lookout for. They they have another tough matchup in Dallas this week, so they've already lost two straight, I believe, if not three straight, and uh, they better get their act together and kind of quickly. Yeah, they've had a very surprisingly tough schedule this year, and they're what they're doing now isn't going to cut it against those matchups. So. I think it's going to be a tough matchup with Dallas, and we can talk about that in the next episode. And just to check in yes, on the sir. AFC, because we talked about the NFC, Baltimore is now the number one team in the AFC. Kansas City is their division leader so far. Jacksonville, with the win against Houston, has solidified their lead in the AFC South. Miami is still ahead in the AFC East. And then we have Pittsburgh and Cleveland leading the wild card race with now Indianapolis at the seventh wild card spot with Houston have a Houston has a winning record six and five. Denver has a winning record six and five. Buffalo is six and six. Cincy probably is gonna fade out. Vegas, I think, probably fades out. Uh the Chargers basically have to win out, I think, to to make maybe one more loss, but they have to basically win out to make the playoffs. Uh, it's gonna be tough. Tennessee mathematically can still make it. The Jets can still mathematically make it, but New England is not going to make it this year, and they are the worst team in the AFC. Yeah, I completely agree. And um, obviously, there's been a lot of injuries to the AFC quarterbacks, and I think that might help the Chargers and the Bills and the Texans potentially make the playoffs this year. Yeah, we'll see. I think Cleveland's defense is, is holding them up right now, but we'll see if that will be enough for them. Not if Flacco is starting for too long. Oh, okay. We can't be happy with that. Yeah, I I agree. All right. Well, that does it for another episode of the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. Please don't forget to like and subscribe. Please leave us a comment and share the show. Every little bit helps. You can find us on all podcasting apps by searching N2E Fantasy and with our handle at N2E Fantasy on all social media platforms. Please join our community and give us a follow. Until next time, take care of yourselves and remember, it's truly never too early for fantasy football. Thank you again. Bye, everybody.